0: Well, it's good to be back. Like many of you, we were away last week seeing some family, seeing my side of the family in Canada, and we came to the table many times for many good meals, and my mother even bought me my favorite Canadian cereal that I had growing up called Vector, and uh, you can't unfortunately buy it here in the U.S. Uh, you're missing out. Big time. And uh, the tagline was, a meal replacement in a flaked format. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love this cereal. Um, but as good as it was to, to come to the table to eat Vector, it's good to be back to come through the waters of that font and to this table with you to, to share this meal. Through the waters... To the table. That's a good way to summarize both our gatherings in the morning, on Sunday mornings, and our life as a Christian, really. A lot of it is summarized in that. Through the waters to the table. So when we gather as a people, as the people of God, when we first uh, enter into our Christian life, we what? We pass through the waters of baptism, or we should. If you're not baptized, talk to me. And we'll take care of that. But that's our initiation into the faith. Um, And it's it's what we do when we first come through. It's placed there purposely. So you have to pass by those waters. You might want to touch them and make a little sign of the cross on your forehead or on your body to remind yourself of the meaning of your baptism, of the new identity you've been given, of all that has been given to us in that baptism it is so full and rich and we need a whole christian life and more to receive that uh, to live that out so we come yeah through the waters to the table and the table where the first course is the word of god right and then the second course is the word of god in the bread and the wine So we come first to receive Jesus in the scriptures, and then we come to receive Jesus in the elements. And then, like we do at any meal we should do, we give thanks. This is called the great thanksgiving. And then finally, we are sent out, right, to do the works he's given us to do, but filled with the word of God and anointed, hopefully, in the power of the Spirit, that's the, the general movement of, of our gatherings. It, and just what a creative, appropriate, meaningful liturgy we've been given by our brothers and sisters who've gone before us, who, who just knew what they were doing. This, was, this is a beautiful thing we've, we've inherited um, that, was, that had beginnings right in the early centuries of the Christian church but have, has been developed up until our day. And in the Spirit, with the, the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, this can really be a means of transformation, of change, a way of bringing glory to God here and outside of here, extending the kingdom in the earth. In the Holy Spirit, it can. Without the Holy Spirit, this kind of thing will eventually become dead ritual. Without the Holy Spirit, this will become boring. Boring. Or we'll become so obsessed with the ritual, with every detail. But no, but in the Holy Spirit, this is life. This is encounter with God and the gospel and transformation. So that's why it's important when we enter, we're not just coming uh, unprepared, but we ask God, God, give me another portion of the meaning of my baptism through the Holy Spirit. Through the waters... That's the the part we're going to focus on this morning. So this is the season of epiphany. This is the season of of revelation, of of opening up, so to speak, uncovering when, when our eyes are opened up to who Jesus is, when the heavens themselves are opened up and reveal to us all kinds of things about Jesus, and because of who he is, therefore also things about God, And about us. In the Western churches, the Magi feature prominently in this season. And in the Eastern churches, the Baptism of Christ features prominently in this season. And thankfully, in our lectionary readings, both have a place. And this morning, the readings fall on the Baptism of our Lord. So we're going to be joining our Eastern brothers and sisters this morning in this focus. If you have a bulletin, the the icon that you see on the the front of your bulletin there, which you also see above here, this was made by Julia Stankova. She's a Bulgarian artist who I've had some wonderful uh, exchanges with, interactions with. She became a Christian through studying icons, in fact, and now is making them herself. And this icon in particular is, of course, an icon of the scene in our gospel of Matthew reading. This is just after, of course, Jesus has been baptized by water by his cousin, John. And here, though, now he is being baptized with the Holy Spirit by his father. If you read the description yeah, of these baptisms, uh, it's in each of the Gospels, it's pretty short, it's pretty sparse in description and yet it is loaded with meaning (laughs) like some of the symbols we've been talking about in the last few weeks this gathers up so much of the sacred story that has gone before it this scene also reveals a most holy mystery about god and about us it also symbolizes the greatest sacrifice and redemption the world has ever or will ever know. So to go through these waters is no small thing. N.T. Wright has pointed out, if you read the Bible, you're going to notice this pattern again and again. Through the waters to something good. To something better. Through the waters to something good. That's what we're going to look at. This morning this pattern and we're going to notice too in this pattern is when this happens somehow in some way God's word and God's spirit his breath his wind all the same word in Hebrew is also present his word and his spirit bring something out from the waters or bring something or someone or a group of people through the waters So this culminates, of course, in this scene here, but started back at the beginning, the very beginning, when in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says what? The spirit, the breath, the wind of God was hovering, it's bird language, over the waters, over the chaos. So in the ancient Near East, the waters represent chaos and death. But God doesn't leave it that way. With his spirit hovering over the waters and then his word, let there be. What happens? Land emerges from the waters. So of course this is more poetic description than scientific. But the, the waters emerge from, or sorry, the land emerges from the water and then from the land emerges plants and animals and eventually humans. And then within creation, there's this special place called Eden. This is a sacred place. This is, this is like the holy of holies of creation. Where heaven and earth overlap. Where God and humans are together, walking in the cool of the day. So you can picture this scene here in Genesis. This is a type of Baptism through the waters, to all of this, to creation, to new life, to heaven and earth together, to God and humanity together. But then comes the transgression, of course, of Adam and Eve, and the undoing of all this, the casting out from the garden, the beginning of the separation of heaven and earth, of God and humanity. Then comes the flood of corruption, on the earth and violence followed by the flood of judgment and the waters that undoes creation, that brings it back to that original chaotic state of water. Some of the earlier uh, baptismal buildings uh, were built like a mausoleum or like a tomb. They got baptism here meant death going into death somehow. Thankfully, that's not all it means. Then we read, of course, back in the Noah story, what what happens? We read about the wind of God again, hovering over the waters. What happens next? The land eventually emerges from the waters. And then Noah and his family and the animals get to set out again on the dry land and start over again. There's a type of new creation. Again, some of the older baptismal buildings were made in an octagon with eight sides to represent the eighth day, the day of the resurrection, the day of the beginning of the new creation. They understood to be baptized was not just to go into death, but to come out into new creation. Man, they really got it. (laughs) They really understood our baptism. Back to Noah, though. And actually, just fast-forwarding a bit, we fast forward to the people of Israel. And they're in Egypt, and they're enslaved. And God's word, though, comes to them in this chaos through Moses and promises them that they're going to be delivered. They're going to come out from Egypt and go into the promised land. But on the way there, they, they come up against the Red Sea. And what do we hear again? the wind of God is present and pushes back the waters so they can walk on dry land while their oppressors who are chasing them get swallowed up. But Israel, in their baptism, go through the waters to freedom. Then eventually Israel comes up to another body of water, right the Jordan River. And according, again, to the promise of God, the word of God, the waters are pushed back so that Israel can do what? They can walk across the dry land that emerges. And they go through the waters to the promised land. But again, like Adam and Eve, Israel transgresses. The kings transgress and all of this gets undone. The temple gets destroyed. The temple that was supposed to again have this holy of holies like the Garden of Eden where heaven and earth would overlap and where God and humanity would be together again. And if you get the imagery, this was supposed to, this Garden of Eden, this holy of holies was supposed to expand eventually to the whole earth. But they transgress. They forfeit this and they get cast out of the promised land. Fast forward again to our scene here with Jesus standing in that same Jordan river that the Israelites crossed in those same waters. And a group of people have gathered here that John is baptizing. And these are people here. They are turning from the sins of their ancestors and their own sins. And they're turning back to God for forgiveness for, the, for a fruitful, righteous life, hoping that God is going to do a new work in their day, that he's going to send his promised king to deliver them and to lead them through the waters again into something good, something better than what was going on in their day. And here is Jesus to do all of that. And more. But here, instead of the dry land emerging from the waters, it's Jesus who emerges from the waters. He is the way to the promised land. He is God's promised king. He's anointed, though, not with oil in a palace, a nice palace. No, he's anointed with oil, with the elements of the earth, and with the Holy Spirit and the word of God. From above, and he's not in a palace. He's in the wilderness. And Jesus here is what—he's the one who is now opening heaven back up, bringing heaven and earth back together. Is the imagery here, bringing humanity and God back together in a most intimate way? And he's going to be here to extend. He's going to bring back Eden and extend Eden like it was supposed to be by Adam and Eve and by the Israelites from the temple. He's going to do that now where they failed and extend it to all the earth. And he's going to be the one to do that because he's going to be the one who's going to descend into the waters of judgment and death all the way to the bottom to rise, though, on the third day to renew the face of the earth and all things. With Jesus, it's through the waters to all of that. And more. For in this baptism is the epiphany, the revealing of a most holy mystery. In these waters, the divine Son of God is giving us a glimpse into the eternal life of God. Into how God has lived for all eternity, and will for all eternity. And what do we see? How has God existed? Well, we don't see Jesus standing in these waters, shivering all alone, in isolated individualism. We don't see Jesus trying to to hear some distant thunder from a faraway deity who couldn't be bothered. And we don't see Jesus just merging and disappearing in some nameless, impersonal what do we see we see this intimate beautiful communion of persons a divine dance as it's been called we see the father pouring out his love on the son as he pours out the holy spirit in the form of a dove as he pours out these words upon him you are my son the beloved, the one I love, the one in whom I am well pleased, in whom my soul delights. And we know from the rest of the gospel story, Jesus receives this. He lives by this. He is satisfied with this. He is anointed with this throughout his life. There's no better place to be and to be with Jesus in these waters, in this baptism. Here, we're getting a glimpse of the triune life of God as it was in the beginning, and is now in the humanity of Jesus, and as it will ever be, world without end. Jesus didn't just put on this humanity like a jacket and then take it off. He is still in this humanity. He is still experiencing this. Jesus is now experiencing the triune life he has with the Father in the Spirit that he's experienced for all time, but now he is experiencing it in our place, in our flesh and blood, in our humanity as one of us, as the second Adam, revealing to us God's purpose for us. This isn't just a hooray for Jesus moment. (laughs) This is an invitation to us. This is a revelation to us of God's ultimate purpose, creational, redemptive purpose for us. That we would stand here with Jesus in these waters with him. That we would enter and step into these waters to die and rise into this love the Father. To be filled with these words from the Father. To be soaked with this Holy Spirit from the Father, to know the Father in this way as Jesus knows the Father now in our flesh. Through the waters with Jesus means through the waters into this. Through the waters with Jesus means being born again into this new identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. Again, baptiseries, baptismal buildings, uh, the fonts, they were sometimes built in the shape of a womb. (laughs) They got. Baptism isn't just about death. It is that. But it's being born again into this identity, into this triune life. This identity is so important. We get here in our baptism, and the devil knows it. And that's one of the first things he comes to attack when you come out of the waters. And that's what he did with Christ, right? Immediately, Christ went into the wilderness, and what happened? The devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, then jump off this building. Prove it. Do it something spectacular. For us, hey, if you are truly a beloved son or daughter of God, come on, prove it. Do something crazy impressive. Be something that will prove your significance. Wow the world with something. Come on. We feel that temptation even without this baptism. (laughs) But with this baptism, we can resist that temptation. We have something to resist it with that when someone comes to us and and starts to ask us about our relational status or our professional status or what we're going to do with the rest of our life and maybe we feel shame or maybe we feel that temptation to somehow wow them in some way, we can resist because we have this baptismal identity. We don't need to substantiate ourselves to anyone. We have been substantiated in these waters our identity on anything else is only going to lead to insecurity in your life this is security you build your identity on this then you don't have to hunger and lust for people's affirmation you've got it from the father you are now free to actually be a blessing to people to be a source of life wherever you are and not to just point people to yourself but point them to the father During our communion, you're going to hear an original song uh, by our worship team that goes into this, that that explores this further, that prays for this, that asks for God to anoint us with this. Because we need to be reminded of this. We need ways to pray about this, to come back to this, to be anointed again with this in the Holy Spirit. That's why the font is there where it is. Now, there's another problem we can get with this. Once we start tasting these waters and the goodness there, you might not want to leave them. Like Peter, who you know, he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. What do you do? He's like, hey, you know what? Let's just build some buildings here and stay up here. You might just want to stay swimming around in the Jordan River all day, every day, just you and Jesus. And that's understandable, and there's times for that. But that's why the liturgy says... Lord, now send us out to do the works you've given us to do. Right? We have a lot of work to do. There's culture to make. There's people to love. There's a baptism to share. And we don't have to leave the anointing behind. We can take it with us. We can come back to it every week together. Because Jesus didn't stay in the Jordan for three years just swimming around him in the love of the Father. He might have been tempted. He went through the waters, to the wilderness, by the Spirit, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to those who are outside of Eden, to the hurting, to the sick, to the lost, to the corrupt, to talk about this baptism, to give them a taste for it, to invite them into it, to fill all of creation with it, and then to raise up a people who would continue the work Who would what? Baptize the nations. Who would immerse the nations in the name and the teaching and the life of our triune God. Who would bring as many as possible through those waters to all of this to the glory of God. Maybe so. Amen.